0: This is Mike Taylor and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Right, yes, I'm joined by Morgan Cowton to talk about one of my favourite goalkeepers and probably one of my favourite players who ever played for Fulham. It's Ireland's number one, Mike Taylor, who joined the club from Southampton in November 1997, all those years ago. Morgs, what did you think when he signed? Because it was around the time of massive change for the club, both on and off the field, with Al fired coming in a few months earlier, sacking our beloved Mickey Adams, installing Kevin Keegan and Ray Wilkins, and then dismantling a very popular team who'd just been promoted overnight to be replaced by players from a higher level, um, across the board, really. So yeah, what, what what did you make of it when we when we brought in Mike Taylor? Well, I
1: think it was kind of it was such a crazy time when it happened. I mean, every, it was kind of you know, everything was moving at a thousand miles an hour. And we um, you know, we brought in Andre Rense that summer, and that was kind of seen as an exciting signing because he was a, South African international, and I was thinking, hang on, I minute, you know, this is this is serious business. You know, you kind of at the time being a sort of uh, fairly naive thirteen-year-old, I thought, you know, if someone plays international football, they must be really good. I don't think Andre Orense quite fit that mould, but uh, you know, he was certainly an improvement on Mark Walton. You know, sort of in all fairness to him. But then when we bought Mike in, I was really excited because I'd seen him play quite a bit for Southampton. And um, I'd even say i think I'd seen him play for Barnet uh, when they signed after they signed him for a few hundred quid at the Army or something, whatever it was. And he, when he signed, I was like, "This, this is a really cool signing. I'm really, you know, really looking forward to seeing him play." And you know, it's. You know, the rest is history, as so I say. He did not let us down once. I don't think, you know, obviously every keeper makes a mistake, but I can't remember a real blatant error from him in the whole time he was there. Maybe it's looking through roast tinted glasses at that. But you know, when I, he joined, yeah, I think it was just sort of like this is just another piece of this very exciting puzzle that's coming together.
0: Yeah, I was I, I wasn't overly excited, but I was really disappointed that all those players that had served us so well the previous season were were being done away with one by one. You know, you brought in Coleman, we brought in Pesh, um, Paul Trollope, Alan Nielsen. And like you say, Andre Arenze came. Uh, we weren't renowned for having a lot of international players back in, back in those days. But I, from memory, I don't think Arenze really broke into the team. I think Mark Wilson was in goal for the start of that season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did he get injured or something or he was away not. on international duty? Was, he just, he never quite
1: got in there. And I think when we signed him, I think it was just like there was this level of expectation that he was going to be really good and step straight in. But he, yeah, I remember him playing in a friendly, I think, against Spurs or Charlton or something like that. Mm. Uh, and then kind of, you know, just, you know, came in and out every now and then after that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember, I mean, we're here to talk about Mike Taylor, but Andre went to um, went to Oxford afterwards and they used to call him Andre horrendous. <laughs> so that's um, that's the sort of player that we're talking about there but um, when, when Mike Taylor signed I think it, it was in a massive period of transition and results weren't particularly brilliant at that time whilst the team was put together and I think we'd had a, a draw with Brentford at home mind you we never beat Brentford at home at the moment do we and um, we, we we'd had some poor results and I think, I remember I remember the enclosure, which is now the Johnny Haynes stand, saying, we are shit, we are bad, give us back the team we had. And um, I remember, I, I was talking to my dad at the time, um, and we decided, for some reason that is unbeknown to me now, but we decided that the, the best goalkeeper that we could have got at that time was Andy Woodman, who was the Northampton goalkeeper. And okay, it was based yeah. purely, purely on the fact that he was a Fulham supporter. Um, <laughs> and my, egged on by my dad, I wrote for Kevin Keegan, and I said, this is the guy you want. Never mind that Mike Taylor guy you just signed. You want Andy Woodman from Northampton, go and get him. And he wrote back, or his secretary wrote back, and he signed the bottom of the letter, which I still got somewhere. And he wrote back and he said, uh, thanks for all your support. Whilst I disagree with you on, on this one, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and of course he was right. Mike Taylor turned out to be a brilliant goalkeeper. And um, as as per usual, I was wrong. Um, right. But But yeah, so... We've we mentioned Andre Renzi, um, but Mike Taylor was definitely on a, on a different level to anybody that we had. We were in Division Two at the time, and, which was the equivalent to League One. And having, having a player of Mike Taylor's calibre at that level, I guess we were very lucky to have him.
1: Yeah, as well. I think you know the fee was what seven hundred grand for him, yeah. which for a goalkeeper, you know, back then was a lot. And you know, we signed. Uh, I can't remember. Have we if we'd signed um, Cookie before then? I remember. Oh. Um, I-
0: don't think we had, or maybe, maybe just so after. We
1: broke, we'd broken yeah. the million pound mark by then, but yeah. you know, obviously still seven hundred K was still quite a lot, considering I think our record signing before was probably around you know a hundred K or something. And I think we just sold Duncan Jupp for two hundred thousand. That was kind of yeah. seen as you know, yeah, big yeah. money back then. So it was like, you know, all this money oh, being splashed a, out. That's a name I haven't heard for years. Duncan, Duncan Jupp. Jupp. Yeah, and you didn't really hear much about him after that either. No, so no shame. I didn't. For um but you know, it was you know, sort of coming down. And I think one of the things that sort of, that was so uh, instantly recognisable about uh, Taylor was the fact that he looked like an old man from <laughs> the moment. You know, he hasn't aged, I don't think. And I don't think he, I don't think he ever looked young. Uh, he just like this, you know, this hardened ex army bloke who sort of, uh, and played a bit like it as well. You know, there was, uh, there was no bullshit. It was just, you know, no fuss. Just yeah. that's how he was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was brilliant. I, I really liked him. And yeah, I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, Mike, if you're listening, you'll really appreciate the fact that you've just been called an old man and you've always looked <laughs> like an old man, but how are you doing, Mike? <laughs> yeah, but you haven't aged, so I mean, that, that's, a, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a compliment somewhere in there, I think. Yeah. Um, so Mike was our number one as we achieved two promotions in three seasons, culminating with promotion to the top flight for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, both promotions massed over 100 points. Which of those two promotions were your favourites? So we're talking the Keegan one or the Tigana
1: one? I mean, obviously they were both amazing. They both had their own sort of, you know, great points to it. I think sort of from my point of view, obviously I'd never seen Fulham in the Premier League. I certainly hadn't seen them in the in Division One as it was then. I think it was under Keegan, we'd had actually under Tigana as well, we'd had really poor preceding seasons. So it was quite sort of, you know, it was refreshing football each time, you know, either Keegan or Scala came in. I think the season we went un- up under Keegan, it was so, it was it was a novelty about it being so good. I mean, obviously under Mickey Adams in Division Three when we'd gone up, I was a little bit younger. I was still sort of like, you know, getting used to sort of watching football full time. I think it was, um, yeah, with all these new players, they started to gel. We were just playing really great football. And I think looking at that i was i don't know it was it's hard to say which is best but i think you know the fact that we went up from div two with over 100 points was sort of like you know that first time that we realized that we were uh you know could potentially be a big club when we were in div one and under ghana and we went up with over 100 points by the time we actually went up and even during that season we weren't seen as a underdog anymore even when we played like premier league teams in the cup we were seen as kind of almost one of the big boys because we were under we're one of the original clubs under foreign ownership with a lot of money at our disposal so it was almost like we were this massive fish in a small pond whereas in div 2 we were still kind of like okay you know they're spending a lot of money but they're still a lower league side um so i would say whereas going up under to ghana was seen as expected. Uh going up under Keegan, whilst, you know, also read expected, it was still very novel. So to answer your question, the long and short of it, I think going up from div two was kind of the more exciting at the time. Div going up div one was just like, right, we've got there now.
0: I, I think I understand what you mean. Uh, the, the season we went up I don't know, I was with... going on
1: for a long time, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> we got there <laughs> eventually. I I meant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, when we came up from the, the third division under Mickey Adams, there was no expectation in that season whatsoever, which is why that season will always be my favourite season. Uh, the season when we went up with Keegan, we uh, were just spending a lot of money and we just had a really good time on the way up. I remember just going everywhere and, and singing You'll Never Play Us Again, and really pissing off the, the locals uh, at all, all the away games from just being really arrogant and obnoxious about this team that we were really fortunate to have. And I, it was back in the days when you turned up expecting to win. As we did with the Takana with the season, obviously the Takana season, we were a better team and we had some phenomenal players at our disposal. You know, Sahar, Boamorte, Barry Hales, Lee Clark, uh, Sean Davis, just just to name but a few. Um, if I was to pick, I don't know. I, I I know Danny always says that 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 middle promotion under Keegan is like the forgotten season, and I kind of understand what he means because when I when I think about my favourite seasons, I guess I guess I do put them in order of the Mickey Adams one, then probably the Tagana one and then the Keegan one, but then the European one's in there as well. But, um, but yeah, so, so, again, long story short, I think I'd go for the other one, and I'd say the Tagana season for me.
1: I think one of the other things with the the Keegan season, I think we had so many great cup games that year as well, mm. which was totally live, you know, long in the memory. Obviously, we had Villa away. We had Spurs at home uh, when we beat the 3-1 in the League Cup. And then there was Southampton away where we drew, but obviously we won the replay. Um, which and I think you're obviously losing to United. You know, when we probably should have you know got a draw in that game if John Slarko could have scored from yeah, three yards yeah, out. Yeah. Well, um, but, you know, I think maybe sort of the fact we had those memorable cup games maybe makes it stand out a bit more. I think the end mm-hmm. of the season as well when um, you know it was Keegan's last game and he sort of got booed from uh, by the hammy end. It was all quite yeah. emotional. Um, yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, uh, yeah, it's a bit silly then considering what happened. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think both those seasons are incredibly memorable. Uh, It's a bit hard to pick which was better, though.
0: Yeah, Uh, I was going to come back to the point you made right at the very beginning, actually, talking about cup games where you said you can't remember any mistakes that you made. But I remember we played Spurs in that first Mm. season, the Ray Wilkins season, at White Hart Lane. And um, and I think they they beat us 3-1, I think. And yeah. one of their goals, one of the Spurs goals, bounced back off the post and Taylor's gone to scoop it back in towards his body and completely completely mishandled the ball. He's just bounced back off his hand and went in the goal. So that is that is the only mistake I can remember him making.
1: Yeah, he's allowed that. It was 3-1. Yeah. If it had been 2-1, yeah. it might have been a bit more of a thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I remember being true. at that game as well. And it was just kind of, yeah. I think we'd... Uh, Got in sort of like with a bit of expectation, and we, like, we were fairly humble.
0: I think, and that one it
1: was like, okay, maybe they are a bit of a step up. Yeah, no, well, yeah.
0: yeah, that's fair enough. Plus, plus, it happened in a season which was a write-off anyway. When we got, oh, I mean, it was. I think. mean,
1: both those Bracewell and uh, the Wilkins seasons were so boring. I mean, we played some absolute dross at times, but
0: they uh, were. But they kind of paved the way for what was to come. So, yeah, you, know, you, you take the rough of the smooth, don't
1: you? Obviously, under Bracewell, when we kept sort of we kept a lot of clean sheets just yeah. never scored. So, I mean, obviously, mm. I think we're looking here in the... Uh, he's kept more clean sheets than anyone of um, Fulham players, hasn't he? Anyone uh, oh, well,
0: since. Yeah. Well, any, in, in fits, yeah. In, including the likes of van der Sar and, and Schwartz. So, yeah. But those those nil-nil, that nil-nil run kind of before and after Christmas in that season under Bracer. Four games, nicely. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I know there <laughs> were a, a lot. Kept and it kept was on going and going. Really, really dull. Really dull, wasn't it? But... Anyway, that's, these things happen. Um, all right, so pretty much all the while, uh, Mike was our number one. We were, we were a very attacking side, but he still played a massive part in some of the best times I can remember as a Fulham fan. Do you have any standout memories or saves in particular that you remember?
1: Yeah, I think um, there, was, there was one that's always stuck in my mind, um, and that was we played Wolves at Molyneux in our promotion season the Tigana promotion season. And it just, there was a, a shot or a header or something that just scooped up over, over Taylor's head. And he sort of arched his back, diving back and managed to get his fingertips and flicker over the crossbar. Yeah. Sorry, that, that one in particular stuck in my head. And then I was having a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a YouTube highlights watch today. And there was the one against Spurs in the league cup from Chris Perry. That it was basically a point blank header, which he kept out and against Villa. And it reminded me sort of uh, when we were up there um, in the FA Cup match that uh, in the second half, obviously, they lay lay siege to our goal. And he was just there sort of you know, knocking everything away. And it was, um, you know, it's games like that. You know, Cup games, yeah, you may say they're less important. But, you know, some of those performances, he really you know, got up there for the big ones. But at the same time, it's just like he was just one of those keepers that was so solid and so consistent. That, you know, whilst I can't remember, you know, a lot of individual saves, there is just, you know, even when he was called upon when uh, Van der Sar got injured in, the, in our first season of the Premiership, he, um, you know, he just didn't let us down. And I think it's, if a keeper can be memorable by not making mistakes, I think that's kind of a, you
0: know, that's kind of a big deal as well. We'd give something for that now, wouldn't we, right? Yes, yeah. uh, you build I, a good I, yeah. team around. You say you build a good team around a, a good defense, but the goalkeeper is equally as important. And you kind of you take somebody like him for granted, I think, because although he might not have much to do in the game, like you say, that, that save where he's tipped the ball over the crossbar, he did something similar against Bolton, I think, that season as well. Mm. And um, and yeah, you you, you just you, you take those moments for granted, but they're the I, moments where he really earns his money.
1: I think it was one of those things as well. The fact that he had been in the army, he had learned probably to command an area from sort of, you know, how he'd been trained. And he did. You could see him shouting at his defense. He properly marshaled them. And that is something that we just do not see anymore. Uh, you know, obviously, there we have had keepers that can do it. But, I mean, none, none of our sort of batch at the moment are particularly good at that. Um, and that's, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, all the shot-stopping, crossing, you know, positioning training, you know, they should spend sort of a good sort of half an hour, an hour each day on learning how to shout each other. <laughs>
2: so yeah, it's no, kind
1: of like, you weird. know, maybe as yeah, so, a, uh, you know, I'd be quite interested to see how he is as a coach, because I know he went to Walsall for a bit. Yeah,
0: well, he was before. at Northern Ireland as well, wasn't he, Up yeah. until uh, earlier in the year, but I think he may still be at Walsall now as goalkeeper
1: coach. Oh, okay, fair enough. I don't know if he'd left or gone on to... Yeah, um uh, one of the big clubs. But yeah, he, I mean he would be, I can imagine he'd be a great coach. Hmm. But yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe he
3: might, he one, might, he though, might end up back be.
1: here at some time. I mean, I know he's he's a he's a Hampshire boy. Yeah, he before, is before he moved to Germany. But he um yeah, so you kind of imagine he'd probably end up somewhere around there, but
2: yeah.
1: Maybe he's got friends up at uh in the Midlands
2: as well.
0: Yeah, well, he spent a long time at Birmingham. We'll come on to his spell at Birmingham in a minute. Birmingham are opponents this weekend. But I was just going to say one other thing about Mike Taylor in in terms of um, confidence. I was always confident, like, with a one-on-one. I I, thought, you know, if there there was a shot coming in, I I would always think maybe he'll save it. Whereas these days, I think, shit, that looks like it's flying in the top corner. But one thing I was never really that confident with him about was penalties. And he didn't really have a great record for saving penalties. But then... Away at Charlton, um two thousand and two maybe it was. Um the, the same game where we beat them one 0 and Boa ended up with his shorts off and throwing them into, into the crowd at the end. Um but he did save maybe it maybe it was a Jason Yule penalty when we were when we were one 0 up. So um, so yeah, he, he, he did he did save one.
1: I think I think the um I seem to remember when we played Leicester in the Cup and we drew three all, we went to penalties. And yeah. um when we all missed all three of ours and they all yeah. went somewhere into sort of uh, somewhere in the midlands. Um yeah. he I think I remember I come was it I guess was it um Tigana managing then I think or oh, Bracewell was one of those. I think it was Bracewell that was the Bracewell season. But he um he apparently when he was going towards the goal he said to someone I've never saved a penalty before. <laughs> yeah. <There you laughs> he <go>. proceeded <laughs> not to save any of them. Yeah, but I mean, he it was like I seem to remember. Um, uh, Keegan said he was uh, one of one of, if not the best, cro- uh, catcher of a cross
0: yeah. in England. And that, that um, is such a big thing because if you're if you're a goal up and teams are attacking you and they put a corner into the box or they're sticking crosses into the box and he can just come and pluck the ball out of the air. Completely takes the pressure off. But in this day and age, nobody does that. People just flapping it and punch at it. I mean, look at Rico last season. Oh. Flapping away at everything that came his way. <laughs> Can in you the, imagine
1: yeah. them? Can you imagine Mike Taylor trying to coach Sergio Rico in town to catch a ball?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Catch it, for God's sake. <laughs> Bloody See, idiot!
1: Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So perfect, perfect of a cross, but just don't ask him to save a penalty. You know, no one's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. Right?
0: exactly. All right, well, he did leave and he went on loan to Birmingham um, and played 27 times for them in the 2003-04 season and then joined them permanently and going on to play another 187 times for them. The most notable game to us Fulham fans that he played for Birmingham was when he was in goal when Fulham beat Birmingham in the penultimate match of the 07-08 great escape season. What are your memories of that game? I remember watching that in the middle of the night in Sydney and just
1: I remember by that point it was kind of becoming very real that we could stay up and I think you know it was it was so stressful and I don't you know I remember bits of these games because I think they were sort of got to the point that they were it was a matter of just sort of resilience in watching as well as the players playing so I think it was sort of you know yeah i think it was you know just a matter of relief really that we were going into the last game with the potential to stay up rather than sort of overjoyed that we'd won i think you know there was just that sort of last bit of we're getting there we can do this we've done the hard stuff now we just need to beat portsmouth which was i think you know that was it <laughs>
0: It's unusual for you, mate, for, for you to be out of the country when something good was happening at Fulham. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to being out of the country next time. I mean, we might win the FA Cup or something.
0: <laughs> in actual fact, I was away for that one. I was, I was away with work. I was in San Francisco. and I was away with a Chelsea supporter, actually, and he was adamant. He wanted to come and watch the game with me. So we got up really early, and I think it was something like, I don't know, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning that we, we found this bar. And it was full of English people, and they had all the um, all the games on that day. So I think there was um, Tottenham were playing at Reading on one screen, and then our game was was on another. And I just when um, when McBride scored, I went mad. But when when Nevlin scored that second one, and Mike Taylor's yeah. come out and he's put it into the bottom corner, I ended up on the other side of the bar on the floor. I wasn't even wasn't even <laughs> drinking. I wasn't even drinking. And of course, Reading lost as well. So that that set up a a good old day actually. In the end, it was it was really good. Well, just, just going back as well, one of the other things I used to really like about Mike was that he had a bit of a rapport with, with the fans. And um, I think I said earlier, I used to, used to stand in the enclosure of the, the Johnny Haynes stand. And if we were winning at half-time, we'd see Mikey, Mikey, what's the score as he was coming off the half-time? And invariably, he'd hold up his index finger if we were 1-0 up or whatever. Um, and one week we did it and we were winning 1-0 at half-time and we ended up drawing 1-0. And then the next home game, we sung the same song because we were winning at time, and he just looked over, smiled and shook his head. i <laughs> not doing that again. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, I like players character. like
1: that because, you know, you get... Mm. The, it's the players who have, you know, they're sort of a bit more worldly, you know, mm. especially back then, uh, you know, you're playing sort of for a Div 2 Club, you sort of you're a bit more close to the fans. You wouldn't get that so much now with a sort of uh, you know overly paid Premier League footballer. It's players like that who are just sort of you know they're sensible. They they know they have to have a bit of a laugh, you know. And I think yeah, yeah, it's it is easier for those kind of players to have a bit of rapport with the fans because they they do feel pressure because they want to win and they're professionals and you know they're you know even at Div two level they're still elite sportsmen, but they are in that position where they can go yeah, all right, we can yeah. I know you. You know me. Let's uh, yeah, yeah. Let's enjoy this as well.
0: Exactly. I, I used to really like that about him. Um, of course, when he did leave, the uh, the only man that could possibly replace him was Edwin van der Sar, who who signed from from Juventus. Um, I found that a really bizarre signing at the time that that we were managed to get hold of van der Sar. But it was weird to think at that time that we had two of the best goalkeepers in the league.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean. I think every Fulham fan was like quite disappointed that Mike would definitely not be the number one the next season.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but obviously at the same time it showed a, you know, made a statement of intent mm. on what we were planning to do in the Premier League. And I think it had been quite a quiet summer up to that point. And I think, you know, we I remember going up to Celtic Park uh for the friendly up there and we hadn't yeah, signed anyone apart from Abdes Wadu. And we got turned over 3-0. It was like, oh, yeah. hang on a minute. What's, what's, what's happened? Why, why haven't we signed everyone yet? And then, well, obviously then the sort of uh, the troops came in after that. Mm. But it was, it was a bizarre signing because it was someone so well known. And but that's, that's the thing, though, isn't
0: it? Because we'd have been quite happy starting the season with Mike Taylor, the goalkeeper position. Yeah, I mean, no one awesome would have argued that because, you know, he'd done no. so well before. And exactly. So then you get somebody like Van Sar come in and you think, well, okay, he's
1: better. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's the thing. It's, uh, you know, you've bought in Holland's number one and you're sort of like, you know, just having to reread the article to make sure you actually read it right. Yeah. And exactly. I, I think, you know, everyone knows he'd sort of he'd lost his place to Buffon coming in because obviously Buffon was the most expensive goalkeeper at the time. And, but even still, it was just like, okay, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with this. Um, hmm. But it was it was good, you know. Obviously, um, Edwin had his sort of his injury during the during that season, uh, or was it the season after? I can't remember which. But he uh, gave uh, you know Mike a chance to play Premier League football for at least you know a decent run of games. Um, so I think you know, whilst we did replace him as number one, I'm really glad that he did get to sort of you know play some part before he moved on.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well, Mike played 189 games for Fulham over a six-year spell. Rate his Fulham career out of 10.
1: Two promotions, two record points tallies, one mistake in 180 games or something. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I, I'm going to give him a 10.
0: I can't fault him, really. Yeah. yeah, I would give him a 10 as well. One of my, my favourite all-time players. and uh, Looting away in the FA Cup. God knows, I don't know what year it was, 1999 maybe. I think we beat him three now. That was the last time we played them, wasn't it, or was something before we've just yeah, them. We, yeah, yeah. And um, and I was I was down the front clapping the players as they came over, and he was chucking his gloves in. So I waved my, I don't know why. I was like I was 18, 19 at the time. I don't know what I wanted with it, but I was waving my arms at him. Chucked, oh, no, I don't, I don't. And he chucked me his gloves. So I got I got his gloves, <laughs> and, I, and I, t- I took it back to the, the next game that I went to and got to sign it. I've got it up in my loft somewhere along with all those inflatables. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that, that's well, that's quite. I'd say it's a prized possession, but it's all it's all dried up and, and crispy now. But no, I think you need time, to frame them, Frame them.
1: No, they'll, they'll look yeah. good on the wall.
0: In the so, it's only one, but yeah, yeah it, it would do. But uh, yeah, don't know, I don't really know. Well, how much I think I think
1: it, I think uh, with that, you know, sorry, sorry, Mike, for calling you old before your time, but at least give you ten out
0: of ten. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> good stuff. Well, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Let's let's pass it back to the main show.
2: Fulham. Thank you very much, Frenchie, and thank you very much, Morgan, for that player focus. Now, I am here with Mr. Dom and Mr. Marty, and we are going to discuss Birmingham. Big game for Scott Parker. Hopefully, he can rectify some issues. So, let's just quickly have a little got some lovely stats here. Uh, Fulham have won two of the last eight fixtures between Birmingham. Uh, We have drawn two and lost four. Our last meeting was back in 6th of May 2018. A 3-1 win for Birmingham, which ended our unbeaten run. A win which could have given us automatic promotion. Fuck it. But we have only won twice against them, both home and away, since our first relegation back in 2014. Let me think. Uh, Recent former players of both clubs include David Stockdale, Kevin Fry, Dan Byrne uh Papa Duba Diap, uh Meg Taylor, who they've just spoken about, and Sonny Aluko as well, actually. Yeah, I forgot about that. So anyway, let's just quickly have our thoughts of what we need to do for this game. Marty, how would you line up for this? Do you think it's time that MLM should actually potentially not be in this lineup or we should have Steven Cessny on the right with Dennis Adoy on the left? What do you think Scott Parker will do to rectify the crap that was last weekend?
4: Oh, anything could be better than last time. Um yeah, I I quite agree with you. I think Adoy and Session back in the team.
2: Mm.
4: Ugh, goalkeeper, flip a coin. Who's got the most confidence between the two of them? Uh, don't have Bobby Weed uh, as a winger. Bring Knockhart back at one side, Ivan on the other, and I would try to have Bobby Reed playing off Mitrovic. Try that, you know, as a kind of a four-four-two-two two up front scenario. Mm. Put away your chances. Try not to piss around with it at the back. That would be great.
2: And What are your thoughts, Dom? How would you line up? Because he was saying, I think in the last episode, how you were unsure about you know Dennis Adoy playing at left back. It's been a while since he was actually in that position.
3: Yeah i i don't I don't want him to play there. Um, I don't want Lamarche <laughs> on to play there. Um, so my options are running out. So I, <laughs> and I know you're. I know you're not a fan of the starting with three at a back, three at the back. But I think if Brian's out, I think that's what we have to go with. And bring Nockhart back in on the left flank and Cavalera, I guess, or Sessegnon um, on the right flank. Um, mm. And just, I, I think we need a bit more of an attacking threat down the flank than Le Marchand will, will provide us. So I'd go through at the back and, you know, if you want to be really, really dangerous, uh, do the two up front as well and then three in the middle. I think that's the right Absolutely. amount of players. Kenny, um, Reed, and uh, Johansson in the middle.
2: Yeah, and the two up front yeah. would be Mitro and not cut potentially, and maybe Cavalero as a, as a winner. Mitro and
3: Bobby Reid, I'd say. And right, interesting. Just, we need, we need to change up now. And yeah. um, Brian, the Brian injury is obviously bad for us, but could potentially um, encourage a change of formation, and it might work, who knows.
2: Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Marcy? Do you think three at the back is a likely option Scott Parker might uh, execute for this game?
4: Yeah, possibly, but hopefully it works out better than the most times when we have three at the back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, as I say, just sometimes we play three at the back, you think, oh, well, OK, we're going to push forward, create a lot. And if we don't, and then sometimes we have three at the back, and I, as I say, it's we've got to be less predictable because I think we said on the last podcast how we've become so predictable. So that's what yeah. I'm hoping
2: well here's, here's hoping to that I mean, is there anyone Marty that you've got your eye on that well, in the game I mean that you think you know could potentially cause us a bit of havoc, like how, for instance, we predicted that Jared Bowen would would have done it the whole game last time? He just
4: seemed to keep dropping that name when Matt Doms on it. I can't imagine why sorry, um,
2: I just uh, yeah, I couldn't help myself, sorry, uh Dan crap, I'm on invited to
4: the wedding at least, <laughs> no, yeah. Dan Crowley is their uh, obviously attacking midfielder. He's he's kind of key for everything that they do in that team, basically. And obviously got a Serbian as well, uh, called I think it's called Ivan Zajic. I think it is. So
2: yeah,
4: yeah, two of those in midfield. We've got to be we've got to show more of a midfield like we did in the game before. Kenny was non-existent uh, in the last game, so you know try to take well I don't know get Steph Joe on one of them. That should help.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ivan Savage, uh, 2.4 tackles per game. Harrison Reed is looking at averaging at 1.6, so it could be quite a little bit bitey, a little bit bitey. But, you know, Birmingham have always been a bit of a bogey team for us, especially in the old days, well fairly old days, of Gary Rowett. I mean, so of Hull. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think we can potentially win this game, Mr. Dunn? Or do you think another banana skin is waiting to happen before the international break?
3: I, I think we need to win it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they've got what we discussed, they've got a few decent players in there um but honestly if we've got any hopes of going up um we need to be winning games away against mid-table mid-table teams and the lower place teams um they're they're nothing special really and saying the same about uh about reading before we played them i don't think you know they're particularly dangerous for the set of players that we've got so we need to be winning it. I think we can. I'm interested to see the, the battle between, um, Harley Dean and Mitrovic actually, because I think, uh, Harley Dean's a bit of a nasty bastard. Mitrovic is, um, seen by other clubs as a bit of a nasty bastard. Um, so that, that could be a good battle if, um, we've seen him do in the past. If Mitrovic can, you know, completely win that, um, physical battle against him, then, uh, he could, he could have a good day. Um, that's what I'll be interested to see. But, um, yeah, we, we certainly can and we, we we certainly should be winning it, really.
2: Well, we said that again about Middlesbrough. We said that about Stoke. It's funny. I mean, you know, the only time we have really shown off our quality, really just seen like, oh, okay, this is a sort of championship, potentially winning team, was against a 10-man Reading and a really crap Millwall. And I just, I'm worried that, you know, if we draw or lose this game, I think I honestly do think it could be curtains for Parker. I don't. You guys think he'll be allowed a bit more time? But t- to to not win against Birmingham, who are twelfth, I mean, we, we are only we can't even really beat sort of mid-table sides at the moment. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Marty?
4: Well, just look at the teams that we've lost to. I mean, how many times have you looked and thought we've lost to Stoke, and then mm. Stoke obviously go out and lose the next few games after, and you think, and hey, we lost to that team. Uh, Middlesbrough, we had them, you know, of a goalkeeper being sent off, also down near at the bottom. It's just, it becomes beggar's belief. Like, when we looked at the fixtures going into the international break, most people were saying, if we get 10, I'll be happy. And unfortunately, we we're not anywhere near that, unfortunately. We just seem to be dropping points. As I say, you said, you know, we've beaten Millwall and we've beaten Reading. And that's the only time we've actually opened the team up. And actually being really good at the back as well. So, you know, that's what we need to do. Score more goals and tighten our ship at the back. But it's will that ever happen? I have no idea. We still don't know our settled 11 yet. So, who knows?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're going to be completely hull us and just have a really good tight defence. Harley Dean, their centre-back, has played all games this season. 1.4 tackles per game, 2.3 interception. And he's been at Birmingham for three years now after signing from Brentford. But, you know, there's a lot of... I'm just fascinated to see what happens in this game purely because (laughs) Birmingham have won, let me get this straight, hold on, have won five out of seven home games and they've just now won three home games on the bounce. Uh, I personally, I don't know, I don't want to be too negative, so I'll go to one of you guys first. What is your score prediction, Mr. Dom?
3: Um, I think it's going to be another kind of after we're all down and it's got a bit of doom and gloom i think we're going to pull off a, a good win again and and then probably after that maybe not win for a few games so i think i think park will buy himself some time with a 3-1 win um 3-1 win. we might not end up in the long run being the best result for us if we don't uh kick on from it but um yeah i think we'll take this one
2: And Marty, yes. so what are your score predictions? And I'm just going to give you something that Scott Parker said after the whole game. He said, today is probably the one day I sit here this season disappointed by the way we play, disappointed with the result and the way things panned out. Ultimately, what will determine how successful I am personally and how successful this team is, is going to be moments like this. Cliché that it is, we've got to bounce back. So what is your score prediction? And can you see this being the game that the players respond? Well,
4: my heart says 2-2 two, two because I just yeah. feel like I've got that kind of game that about well, it. But I, I do feel if, if they want to get something out of it, I feel like a 2-1 would probably be more, you know, kind of a nervy 2-1, but we somehow get the points.
2: Yeah. All right, then. 2-1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to say 2-2 two, two just because I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel a bit deflated at the moment. So we will see. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Really good little quick preview there. And thank you very much to Mr. Dom. Thank you to Mr. Marty. And thank you to Lamette. And thank you to Morgan for doing their lovely little player focus on Meg Taylor. And we will see you very soon. All the best.